Hello, welcome to the Director's Briefing podcast from the Institute of Directors. My name is Hugo Lee. I'm the Media and Communications Lead for the Institute of Directors. In today's podcast, we'll be looking at the issue of corporate governance, and particularly the government's white paper on restoring trust in audit and corporate governance. I am joined by three experts in this issue from the IOD, Dr. Roger Barker, the Policy and Corporate Governance Director, Amin Abushagor, a Policy Advisor on Corporate Governance, and Chris Hodge, a Senior Advisor to the IOD's Centre for Corporate Governance. Thank you all for joining me. Chris, perhaps I can start with you. Before we get into the detail of the government's proposals for reform, can you um, set out some background to the issue and how we've got to the point at which government has felt the need to reform the market? Yes, of course, Hugo, and thank you very much for the introduction. I, essentially, the all of the proposals in the, the white paper go back to a set of questions that get asked when apparently healthy companies collapse over a relatively short period of time. The two that were most topical and uh, most recent at the time that the government first commissioned all of this work were Carillion in, in 2018 and BHS a couple of years before that. Although there are many other examples going back to the collapse of the financial sector and, and others. Um, and what happens then is there tends to be a set of questions get asked by the public, by parliamentarians, by others about what went wrong. And, and those questions focus initially on the role of the directors. Were the directors aware that they were in trouble? If they did, why didn't they share that information with the market or the regulators sooner? If they weren't aware, why not? What were the deficiencies in the controls or their oversight that meant they weren't aware of these things? And also, words, was there anything that the directors have been doing that actively facilitated or accelerated the, the collapse, whether that be bad decision-making, reckless risk-taking, or in the case of BHS, extracting large dividends at a time when the company arguably couldn't sustain them. So that's the first set of questions. Attention then inevitably turns to the auditor. You know, did the auditor spot that? Should they have spotted the issues? If they didn't, why not? Is that down to a lack of quality on their part. If they did, again, why weren't the direct the marketers and, and the regulators alerted to these issues sooner? And then finally, attention turns to the regulator themselves. Should they have known? Should they have stepped in? And if it's after the event, shouldn't they be punishing those responsible? And why haven't they got around to doing that yet? So collectively, those focus on the role of the directors, the quality of public reporting, the effectiveness of the auditor and the effectiveness of the regulator. And it, those four issues really are at the core of what the government has set out to try and explore and address as part of this review. Thanks, Chris. Amin, perhaps I can turn to you. For those of us that are not experts in corporate governance, um, it's fair to say that it's quite a long and complicated document covering many different areas. Could you help us to make sense of it by providing a brief overview of what the proposals are and what they are looking to achieve? Certainly, Hugo. This paper emerged as a as the government's response to three different reviews it commissioned. The first was into the Financial Reporting Council, the regulator, and the audit, accountancy, and actuarial industries called Kingman Review. The second was a review by the Competitions and Markets Authority into the audit markets and competition. And the third was the Bryden Review into the audit industry itself. So this paper is the government's combined response to all of these three reviews. Now, as you said, Hugo, the paper is huge. It's 232 pages, 
and it covers a, a wide range of proposals and I'm not going to cover all of them. I'm just going to highlight a couple of key points from them. The first is the government is intending to introduce something called managed shared audit, which is applicable to all UK registered FTSE 350 companies. Managed shared audit is the idea, the concept that a FTSE 350 company would be required to appoint an audit firm that is not top four, big four. If they have also appointed a big four audit firm, that's KPMG, PwC, Deloitte and EY to conduct a meaningful proportion of the statutory audit, which is the government saying between 10 and 30%. And the point of this is to build up the capacity of these challenger firms, the non-big four firms, to be able to do these audits for these companies at some point in the future. If this doesn't work, then the government could introduce a power to cap the market share of audit firms, which is also a proposal in this white paper. Another significant proposal is the expansion of something called a public interest entity or PI. A PI is an entity that's considered to be of public interest because of its business, its size, or the number of employees that it has, and they're subject to higher auditing standards than other companies. And the government's proposing to expand that to potentially large private companies or even you know, third sector or public sector bodies. On top of that, the government is intending to revamp the regulator, the FRC, into a new one called ARGA, the Audit Reporting and Governance Authority. Now, ARGA will have a wide range of powers, and I won't cover all of them, but some of them are that it will have the ability to take enforcement action against a director that's any director for breaches of corporate reporting and audit-related responsibilities, whereas at the moment it only has the power to take action against directors that are registered with one of the accountancy bodies. Those are sort of a couple of the, the key proposals in the white paper. There are certainly more that could be discussed, but uh, those are the key ones. Thanks, Amin. Um, Roger, corporate governance is a key policy area for the IOD, and we recently issued a detailed response to the consultation. Is the IOD supportive of the government's proposals, and are there areas in which we have a different view on how reform should be taken forward? Um, yes, Hugo. I think, broadly speaking, we are supportive of what the government's trying to do here. You know, as Chris outlined, there are some issues, some outstanding concerns in respect of corporate governments, with, which the government is right to address. And some of the things that we like in this review are, for example, having a clearer, more agreed definition of what are distributable profits as a basis for dividend payments. We think that is a very good thing to, to have a common definition of. We think it's good that directors are going to disclose more about their assessment of internal control frameworks in companies. We think it's good that companies are going to think about an audit process which goes beyond just auditing the financial statements and starts to look at other types of information in the annual report, like ESG information or corporate governance information. And also, we do support the, the creation, as Amin mentioned, of ARGA, so a replacement for the Financial Reporting Council, which hasn't proved, certainly over the last four or five years, to be a very robust regulator. But 
There are concerns we have about the proposals, and probably at the centre of them is a concern about this concept of managed shared audit, which Amin has described. And, you know, this is really a step into the unknown. You know, asking a small challenger audit firm to team up together with one of the big four to take on perhaps 10, 20, 30% of the total audit. You know, is that going to work? Are the two auditors going to work well together? Are the challenger audit firms going to be willing to actually take on this new role, given that it may preclude them from consultancy work? They may feel that they still have a lot of liability for audit, which, which puts them in a difficult situation. They may feel that they don't have the resources and the expertise to fulfill this role. So what we want to see, actually, is some robust testing of the, of the managed shared audit concept undertaken by Arga before the concept is rolled out to the FTSE 350 companies as a whole and indeed beyond. With regard to the widening of companies that are going to be subject to an enhanced audit approach, which is, is what is implied by the extension of the, the definition of public interest entities, we broadly support that because there are many large private companies, for example, at the moment that are incredibly important in our economy, but they're not listed companies and they're currently not subject to the same governance requirements as premium listed companies. So we do think it's right that the definition uh, of pies, as, as Amin described, is extended now to large private companies. But over a period of years, it's very important that these proposals are phased in and they're not suddenly just imposed onto newly affected companies. Companies need the time to put in place the right uh, internal controls, the right systems, and also to educate their directors. But there is one final point that I want to make about this set of proposals, and that is really the emphasis in this white paper is all about improving audit, improving corporate governance through more robust regulatory enforcement. Now, regulatory enforcement is part of the puzzle. It is part of improving standards, but it's not the whole story. And we strongly believe that efforts have to be taken to improve the culture of boardroom decision-making in respect of reporting and audit. That means that we need to educate directors and auditors so that they understand the nature of their role and develop some of the qualities needed like independence, scepticism and, and professional competence across a wider range of areas. We welcome the idea of a new corporate auditor profession, but we want to also see a professional framework for directors as well, which fosters those qualities and which encourages qualifications like the chartered director qualification, for example, as a way of improving director competence. Thanks, Roger. That was very helpful. So I suppose my final question is what happens next? How is the government going to take this forward and on what timescale? And in addition to that, are there any other issues that we should be aware of in the world of corporate governance? Roger, I don't know if you want to kick us off on that. Yes, well, now really the, the ball is in the government's court to take forward the feedback from the consultations. And of course, it will take it a while to sift through those. And ultimately, how we move forward will be a political decision. But as it's doing that, there's also a lot else happening in the world of corporate governance to occupy our attention. The Financial Conduct Authority 
has announced a new review of primary market effectiveness, which contains within it a lot of the recommendations from an earlier review, the Hill Review, about trying to bolster the attractiveness of the UK as a centre for uh, listed companies by reforming the listing rules. And that could lead to the introduction of shares with dual class voting rights, which was one of the recommendations of, of the Hill Review, and also reduce the thresholds of public float requirements. So proposal, which is likely to be put forward, is that companies will only need to have 10% of their equity in public hands, in public markets, rather than 25% as of the current time. And I think we are generally entering into a period when there is much more discussion and controversy about how well the corporate governance framework is actually meeting the needs of UK PLC and the future development of the economy. And recently, a leading figure in the city of London, Peter Harrison, the CEO of Schroders, criticised the corporate governance framework, saying that actually it had become too complicated, too bureaucratic, particularly relative to the governance requirements of privately held companies. And he, he advocated reform of the corporate governance framework, as well as advocating the introduction of, of the Hill review reforms. And so it seems likely that in order to implement the white paper, there's going to be a review of the corporate governance code at some point. And so th this debate on our, our governance framework will continue and will actually increase in intensity in the months ahead. Well, thank you all for taking the time to talk to us. I think that has been a incredibly useful in helping to understand what it can be perceived as a very complex area. And before we end, I want to highlight the work of the IOD Centre for Corporate Governance, which exists to explore current issues on corporate governance, company stewardship and ESG. The centre hosts a number of events and publishes reports. And I would encourage anybody with an interest in these issues to visit the website, which can be found at iod-cfcg.com, as well as follow it on LinkedIn and Twitter to keep up to date on its work. So I hope you found it a helpful discussion. Please do subscribe to ensure that you are kept up to date with our latest podcasts. And that's it. So goodbye and thank you. Thank you.